fell as he was listening to Peter share Jesus with them. And they got filled with the Holy Ghost, began to speak with other tongues, and the power of God filled them all, so they took them out and baptized them. But before the Holy Spirit fell, listen to what Peter said to them. Then Peter opened his mouth. That's a good starting point, by the way, church. Keep that in mind. Um, Peter opened his mouth and he said, Of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, as these Gentiles just were getting saved. But in every nation, he that fears God and works righteousness is accepted with him. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. Capture that in your mind. God sent the word, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. That word, that he is Lord of all, that word I say you know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism of John, preached how that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost in power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. There it is. That is the gospel that was preached. That God had anointed and raised up Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power, and he went around doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Think about that for a moment. That was the message that was given to the first Gentiles. That was the message that Paul took to the Roman Empire. God anointed Jesus. He is the Savior. And he went about doing good healing. They advertised that Jesus heals people. They advertised that he not only heals a couple of people once in a while, but all that were oppressed of the devil. In fact, there are several times throughout the gospel that the Bible says he healed all that came to him. All that were oppressed of the devil were healed and delivered. In fact, I want you to bear in mind, more people would have gotten healed if Jesus went more places. Would you agree with that? But wherever he was, healing was there. Deliverance was there. Freedom from demonic bondage was there. Jesus' manner is to heal and to deliver and to save. He never did anything but that. He brought healing, deliverance, and salvation wherever he went. That's his program. That's what he does. Why? Because that's his nature, church. Listen to me. We need to preach the right Jesus. We need to preach the Jesus of the Bible. You know, we often talk about seeing revival and getting the kind of results that they got in the early days of the book of Acts. But look at what they preached how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power, went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. You're not going to see results like that by talking to people about God. You've got to talk to them about Jesus because Jesus is God manifest among us. And how was he manifest? You're not going to see these results simply by saying Jesus is God. You've got to get specific just like the early church got specific. He went about doing good. God's plan, God's desire for you out there in the world is to do you good. Now, some people don't want good from God, and he won't force it on them. But his will is to do good. 
His will is to heal all who are oppressed of the devil. Let there be no doubt about it. God's program is to deliver you from Satan, to deliver you from every grip and hold that the devil has over your life. There is no ambiguity. In fact, the Bible says every good and perfect gift in James chapter 1 comes down from above, from the Father of our spirits, and in him there's no shadow of turning. It means he doesn't turn around. He doesn't change. He is the changeless, ever beaming his goodness of healing and deliverance. It's a church that lost the power of God, that develops a theology that sometimes Jesus shows up with his back turned to us. It's a church that's lost the message of Jesus who conquered Satan and offers us deliverance that's cooked up a theology that there are strange and odd times at which the Lord comes and shows up and he's not doing good. He's withholding good. But everyone who let him got healed. Everyone who let him received deliverance. Everyone. And you know what? You're, it's up to you to believe that you're one of them. If he doesn't heal anybody else, he's healing me. If he doesn't deliver anybody else, he's delivering me. Can you say praise the Lord? So I really believe that had Jesus gone more places or had more time, more people would have been healed. You say, well, why didn't, why didn't God multiply Jesus? Hello? Why did God only anoint Jesus with the Holy Ghost? Why did God only anoint him to do good and heal all that were oppressed of the devil? Look at all the good that could have been done. Look at what could have happened in the world. But God limited just to Jesus. You see, y'all are shaking your heads. Sharp crowd here today. I can't sneak anything past you. Wait a minute. What's wrong with what I'm saying? What's wrong with what I'm saying is that Jesus told that little band of disciples, it's necessary that I go so that the Holy Ghost can come upon you and you will do the things that I did and greater because I go to the Father. Come on, where's the church that's manifesting the fact that Jesus rose and went to the Father? A church that is evidence that Jesus went to the Father is a church that's casting out devils, healing the sick, hallelujah, and pursuing the things of God like God has lifted every restriction. The blood of Jesus didn't just release you from your sins and cleanse you. It opened the gate of restriction and said, here are my treasures, go get them, hallelujah. He sent you the Holy Ghost so that you could do exactly what he did. And even greater. I can only imagine what that is. I think Peter walking through Jerusalem in his shadow, healing those that were paralyzed on the sidewalk. That, that's something Jesus didn't do. Glory to God. What is the limitation? The limitation is this. We have forgotten to pursue God for these things. Come on. Do you remember Moses standing at the Red Sea? So far, he's been a mighty servant of God, delivering the children of Israel, but they, they get away from Pharaoh and they get up to the Red Sea. And the Bible says he's standing up on a rock. He's got his staff with him and he's crying. He's crying out to God. He's hollering up to the sky. 
Oh God, please do something. Because the chariots of Pharaoh are bearing down on them. There's about to be a great slaughter. There's about to be a recapture and dragging all those slaves back to Egypt. And he's crying out to God. And finally, God speaks to him. Anybody here remember what God said? <laughs> What's in your hand? He said, why are you crying to me? Well, I thought it's good to cry to the Lord. I thought that every time something goes wrong, we ought to cry to God. Sometimes crying to God's not the answer. Sometimes using what God's given you is the answer. Come on, church. Hallelujah. God said, why cry to me? You're the man. Did I make you the man? You're the man. You represent me. Yes, there needs to be a manifestation of God here. You're it. What do you mean I'm it? What's in your hand? It's my walking sticks, my cane. God said, no, it's the rod of God. It's the rod of God. Stretch it, use it, use it. And we know the rest, hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Flip over to the New Testament. There's the Apostle Paul. 2 Corinthians, I think chapter 13, 12 or 13. And uh, he's crying out to God, just like Moses did. It's a New Testament repeat of the Old Testament analogy of Moses. And he's crying out to God. He's saying, oh God, the devil is buffeting me. A demon is buffeting me. It's chasing me everywhere I go. People hit me and pelt me with rocks. And there's persecution. And uh, I wish this, this would stop. Take it away from me. He's crying out to God. You know what? Again, a church that has stopped pursuing the answer of God doing good and delivering all who are oppressed of the devil comes up with a solution. God said, no, 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 my grace is sufficient for you. In other words, you should be happy that I love you and stop asking for deliverance. That is not at all. That's an excuse. It's a theological excuse. It's a bent-up theological pretzel. But if you unbend it and straighten it out and make a straight response from God, it's the exact same thing God said to Moses when he caught Moses crying. He said, use what I've given you. The grace of God, use what I've given you. Grace is not permission to say the same. It's the power to move forward. Somebody say glory to God. Grace is the power to rise up. Not permission to stay down. Grace raised us up. What did grace look like in Jesus? After they crucified him, grace raised him from the dead. And the Bible says, you and I are risen with Christ. Somebody say glory to God. You see, if you think about it, all through the Bible, both the Old Testament and the New Testament, God's answer when we're in trouble when we're bound, when Satan has set a trap and he's gotten a hold of us, whatever it may be, things come upon us that are not clearly, not God's will for our life. You've got a choice. You can listen to theologians who have crafted their theology according to a, the circumstances of people who've quit believing God, or you can go back to the Word and you can believe exactly what the Word says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power, went about doing good, and you could say, oh no, I'm not putting up, I'm not putting up with that. Jesus died and rose from the dead so that I can have authority over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means harm me. And you won't be talking me out of it. God's talked me into it. In fact, he gave me the Holy Spirit to preach to me when you start preaching your negative nonsense to me. Hallelujah. I got an inner preacher. 
who will talk to me. Hallelujah. When you start backing me down, he's going to pump me up. We need a Holy Ghost church. Are you listening to me? We need people that will listen to the Holy Ghost. You're the most important preacher. You're the most important prophet you're ever going to listen to in this life. You need to preach to yourself. David got discouraged. He was the man of God, anointed to be king, no doubt about it. But there he was. He was, he was running around uh, the desert. Everything was against him. And then even the Philistines raided his camp, took away all his children, the wives of all the men, all the cattle, all their possessions. They came back to the camp, and it was empty. Philistines had run off with everything. The Bible says that when the men started to talk about stoning David, he got discouraged. Have you ever been discouraged? Your own team turns against you. Are you listening to me? If ever there was a moment when you could just relax, fall back into the circumstances, and take a hint, God has abandoned me. God, for some reason, obviously is not with me. But the Bible says that when he was discouraged and they spoke of stoning him, he got away so that he could listen to the Holy Spirit. And he encouraged himself in the Lord. What does that mean? It means he started saying, thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Thank you. Thank you, Jehovah God. Thank you, Yahweh. I just praise you. Glory to God. You are my life. You are my everything. Hallelujah. He drowned out the threats of his men. He drowned out the fears and the anguish and the brokenheartedness within himself. And he began to encourage himself in God who never changes. Amen. Just remember above that dark storm that's raining all that uh, awful stuff onto your life, the sun is still shining. God has not changed. There's no shadow of turning. Listen to me, church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Bible says when he encouraged himself in the Lord, the Lord said, get up and pursue and you will recover all. But if you don't get up and pursue, you're not going to recover. In the New Testament, Paul said to Timothy, stir up the gift that is in you. Don't sit there and wait for it to stir you up. You stir it up. The Bible doesn't say, wait till the, the anointing to prophesy comes upon you. Desire it. Chase it. Pursue it. Go after God. Say, Lord, I'm here. Your word says that the manifestation of the Holy Ghost is given to each and every one of us to profit everybody. Well, I'm here for mine. I'm pursuing mine. Passivity killed the church. It was an aggressive church that pursued a Jesus who was anointed to do good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Shortly after the day of Pentecost, they took Peter and John after 3,000 got saved, brought them before the Sanhedrin. They punished them and they threatened them, don't you preach anymore in Jesus' name. And then they released them and when they got back, hallelujah, to the, um, they got back to the believers, they got together and prayed. Listen to what they prayed. How different the church was then than it is today. Peter and John get back with the people of God and they lift up their voice because they've now been threatened. They've made a law. No more preaching in Jesus' name. Jerusalem and the city of Jerusalem can no longer preach in Jesus' name. They just outlawed it. Just outlawed preaching. Look at what happened. They got together and they prayed. And they said, And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto your servants that with all boldness 
they might speak your word by stretching forth your hand to heal that signs and wonders may be done by the name of Jesus. And the Bible says that God took the house and shook it like a box of Cracker Jacks. God got excited. God got turned on. God said, I like manifestation. I sent Jesus to manifest my glory. I like a church that wants manifestation. I like a church that expects manifestation. I like a church that pursues manifestation. It's called the Holy Spirit because it's never, the Holy Spirit's never unholy. It's never bad. It's a good thing to pursue the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are good. They glorify God. Why are we ignoring them? Why are we ignoring the things of God? Why are we letting them sit there? The things of God are called the manifestation of the Spirit. We should be preaching and living a life that pursues, stir up the gift that is in you. Hallelujah. You know, I thought about this prayer for a moment that they prayed. Lord, behold their threatenings. We're being threatened today. Christians all over the world are being threatened today. Being threatened with cancellation, being threatened with persecution. Our own nation, in the hour right that we live in, is turning against God. It's weaponizing its legal system, turning it against those that would dare to speak the truth of the gospel. You know what we need to be doing? Yeah, we need to pray. I've been in all those meetings where people are praying. And you know what they do? They do something these people didn't do. They keep praying like beating rocks with their head. Oh, God, change their hearts. Oh, God, change their hearts. Do you know they never prayed that? They didn't say, oh, Lord, behold, they're threatening. Now change their hearts. What did they pray? Lord, behold, their threatenings. Send miracles, signs, and wonders. And let the chips fall where they may. Lord, demonstrate your superior power. Demonstrate that you are good. Demonstrate that through our bold preaching and your backing up the preaching with signs and wonders, they'll have a chance to change their hearts. They didn't pray, oh God, change the hearts. Now, I'm not saying that it's necessarily a bad thing, but I don't know, I noticed that. Instead of praying for the manifestation of the Holy Ghost, we pray that God will just simply bypass His pattern. His pattern was preach Jesus, the miracle worker, and let the chips fall where they may. That was how Jesus did it. He told us to do it that way, and then that's what they did. Why have we changed it? When we intercede for the lost, oh, God, change their hearts. Now, I'm not saying don't pray that God will, don't stop praying that God will change Willie's heart, your uncle. But maybe what you should be doing is getting on your face and saying, Lord, Uncle Willie's unsaved. He's stubborn. He says he doesn't want to know you. Father, give me an opportunity to lay hands on him and cast the devil out of him. Give me an opportunity to pray for him that that, uh, that eye that's blind will open. Give me, an op give me a word. Give me a prophetic utterance. Give me a word of knowledge. Equip me with the manifestation of the Holy Spirit to go to him and to demonstrate that Jesus is good and maybe Willie's heart will change. Oh, hallelujah. I know you're jumping up and down and running the aisles in the spirit. Hallelujah. Praise God. But I'm doing better preaching than you are doing amening. I can tell you right now. Praise God. 
I'm preaching myself happy if nobody else. Hallelujah. I love remembering these things. I love reminding myself this is what it's all about because this is simple. It's clear. The assignment's clear. The mission is clear. And you know what? I'm already equipped. You're already equipped. You've got the Holy Ghost. And I know the temptation because the world, like barnacles on a ship, just crests you over and weights you down. You get up feeling like you're not God's servant with miracle power. You get up thinking of yourself as less than that. That's what Paul said. Stir up the gift that is in you. That's why when Moses was crying out to God, God just said, Moses, I love you, but come on, stop crying out to me. Use what I've given you. Apostle Paul, oh Lord, please help me. Use the grace. Use the grace. Somebody say, praise the Lord. Pursue and you will recover all. And you know, that is exactly what God wants us to do today. If there is an answer for the craziness, the sin, the corruption, the rebellion in the world, it hasn't changed from the gospel. The answer of the gospel is how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and power. And a church that will go out, people that will get up, and instead of centering their prayer on Lord change their hearts, oh God do this, oh God help that, help this, help that, God's already helped it all. Is there any help God's not provided? Is there any help? Why? It just seems, maybe I'm not being fair about this, but it just seems odd to me that we keep praying things that God's already said I've done. Is there any way in which I have not demonstrated that I love the world? Is there any way in which I have made you think that you have to ask me to care about the people of the world? Haven't I already demonstrated that I love them, that I care for them? I've put all of that authority in your hands. Why don't you change your focus in prayer saying, Lord, use me. Why not lay out before God and say, Lord, stir the gifts up in me. Father, stir in me a desire to prophesy. Stir in me a desire to heal the sick. Stir in me a desire to pursue the gifts of the Spirit. Let God deal with the reticence, the doubt, the hindering attitude in you that somehow God doesn't want to use you. I know that the first thing you're going to think of is the unworthiness of your behavior. You're going to think, oh man, I'm a man of unclean lips. I drive on US 19. I say things. I live among a people of unclean lips. I watch TV and I throw things at the TV set. I'm not worthy. Hallelujah. Did Jesus already do something about your worthiness? Did he? Did he already provide? What, what are you going to do to make up for what you've done wrong? What are you going to do to make up for the things you haven't done right? Just stay miserable? Just stay unanointed for another week and that ought to, that ought to even up the score? God does not want you walking around powerless as, as a payment for you not pursuing the things of God. That, that's, not what, that's not doing the Lord a bit of good. That's not do, helping the cause of Christ. The cause of Christ is helping you jump back on your feet and say, you got me that time, devil, but I ain't staying down. The righteous falls seven times, but he gets up again. When you start remembering what the word of God says and refuse to fall under that trap, 
God has set me as a watchman on the wall. God has put the weapons of the sword of the Spirit and the shield of faith in my hand. I'm a mighty warrior, so what am I going to do? I'm going to get up and fight. I'm not helping anybody by lying on my back because I fell over. Are you listening to me? You fell over. Staying on your back is not the answer. God still wants you to take up the word with power. God still wants you to cast out devils. God still wants you to raise the dead. Why? Because it's not about you. It's about the people the Lord wants to deliver. He's trying to find somebody who will connect his grace, his power, with the people in need. And if God's people keep laying around like fish that have just been yanked out of the water and thrown up on a dry dock, flopping around, gasping with their last breath, trying to get a hold of significance, those poor people aren't going to be reached. Somebody listen to me. Hallelujah. Glory to God. God has anointed you. You're not a mighty man or a mighty woman of valor because you're mighty. You're mighty when you pursue the anointing of the Lord. Peter was mighty because of the anointing. Paul was mighty because of the anointing. Peter was mighty because he stirred up the gift that was in him. Without that, when we're not pursuing, what are we doing? Lord, please help me. You're Moses standing there crying out to God. God's going, please, not now. This is not the answer. You're great, the great apostle Paul. You know, you could have done great things for God for years in your life, but there you are, the Apostle Paul saying, the demons are after me. Please help me. Oh, God, I, I don't, I've, three times I've sought you for that. We don't build up equity. We don't build up power. We don't build up credit. It's a river, and every day we're flowing in the fresh waters of the Holy Spirit. Every day. We make the decision to get up and preach the gospel that is eternal, that never changes. It's not about you and I. It's about Jesus connecting with the people around us. And you are the man. You are the woman. You are the people he wants to use. Either you're going to pursue it or you're not. That's the differential. That is what makes the difference. God is looking for a church with power. It's just going to take people that are willing to ask for that power and use it. Amen? Amen. All right, well, that's all the Lord gave me. Hallelujah. But uh, glory to God, I believe the Lord did not give me this message so that we could think about it. He gave me this message so you could think about it and then do it. Act upon it. Hallelujah. And so that's what I think our altar call could, should be this morning. If you would stand with me and come down to the front, I'd like us to stand together and let's pray and put upon the altar of God our heart's desire.